0: Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show.
1: And we are continuing our month-long series on augmented reality. A couple of weeks ago, we kicked it off with Charlie Fink, who's a Forbes contributor, and Charlie kind of set the stage on the industry in AR. And then last week, we talked to the fabulous Aaron Riley formerly from the UCLA Innovations Lab, and Aaron kind of talked to us about the kinds of products that can be coming out of AR, especially on the consumer side. And this week, we are so honored to talk to a friend, Jay Samet, who is the independent vice chairman for Deloitte. And they are um, Jay there is focusing on providing virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality solutions for corporate and public sector clients. So now we're going to get into the business side of AR. And Jay has over 30 years of experience in digital transformation. And he's been, I think, uh, going out for the last year or two, um, talking about his great book, Disrupt, Disrupt You, which is master personal transformation, seizing opportunity and thriving in the era of endless Innovation, And we'll talk more about that book as well. But Jay is a longtime executive, has worked at a lot of large companies right, right at that moment when something new is exploding. So let's have a big Tech Cat welcome for Jay Samet, ladies and gentlemen. Oh.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: The studio audience always goes wild. So, Jay, uh, you have a, a long career of, um, you know, being starting at a company or joining a company right when something big is happening. So can you give us a, your background? You know, I know it's extensive, but give us the top hits.
2: So the either in life or the best of what you do, we're the only one doing it. And I found out the latter was easier. And if you're the only one doing it, by definition, you're also the best. So I was... First guy that just fell in love with the internet and saw the potential, and that was probably before some of your audience was born in 1978. Uh, I worked with uh, Bill Gates and we put the first video on a computer. Then the web came along and uh, did the first auction uh, that it, uh, morphed into eBay. Worked with Reed Hoffman on LinkedIn. So each each of the new transformations, PC, mobile, you know, I start again. But we're now going to see the biggest transformation of our lifetime. If you think five hours a day of staring at a phone screen is a lot of connectivity, imagine always being connected through your glasses or uh, contact lenses to an augmented world.
1: God, I think would any of us want to ever leave our home now this is the question. I always <laughs> You know what I mean?
2: What well, actually makes leaving your home more fun. You can walk through the rainforest and know every species, learn about every every insect and when that that snake bites you you can instantly look at it and know whether or not it's poisonous
1: that's true 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 and obviously people have been um using it for i think the most practical uh piece which is translating language which you know is so now every,
2: every every phone automatically you can go anywhere but you can also do it in audio so as google did with their with their earbuds this year You can now have a conversation with virtually anyone on the planet and make eye contact and connect. So seven billion strangers now have an ability to uh, communicate.
1: That's great. It's crazy. Well, so how did you position yourself as someone who is always at the leading edge of these new technologies at these large companies?
2: So at the beginning of my career, it was nobody else wanted to. Uh, And when you (laughs) are lucky and consistently, you know, either start or help build billion-dollar new businesses or companies and you take them public and everything, as I started to get the gray hair, people started to listen. And what I also learned and why I wrote Disrupt You is it's a skill set that anybody can be taught to, to how to identify what's coming next and how to capture that value that's being created. So, you know, two kids sit in traffic and say, boy, if the phone company knows where my phone is, why doesn't it tell me to go left and the other guy to right and there'd be no traffic? And that was the basis for Waze. Two kids in traffic in Tel Aviv, a year later, they're billionaires. So hmm. you're one click away from billions of people. You're one click away from changing the world, making a billion dollars, whatever you want to achieve.
1: Huh. Is it is it changed at all, though, when you go to these large corporations? Has it become... Easier to, to push them in that direction because you're oh, obviously cool. getting hired for that role. But
2: Yeah, so what's, what's fascinating is when you, you know, in the 1990s told newspapers they were going away or even, you know, told music companies that, you know, they're not going to be selling physical things anymore or even, you know, the past few years if you told retail chains that they were going away, they weren't listening. You know, the music industry was the canary in the mine shaft when it went in 1999 from $40 billion in revenue to $20 billion from Napster. Now, when you tell people that not as many people are going to be buying cars, that people are not going necessarily be using the same currencies that they're using today, that crypto is having an impact, that, that borders are, are disappearing, every. CEO is listening. And, and Deloitte, we have, you know, 200 some thousand professionals that are working to help companies adapt and thrive in this era of endless innovation. So it's a really exciting time. And we're just at the beginning of, as I said, this fourth wave with digital reality, completely changing our relationship to our environment and the sum of mankind's knowledge.
1: Now, when you, um, when you go and speak to a client about what's coming, are you finding them now more receptive to, to that than, say, 10 years ago when you may have really had to do a lot of education, or is it still, you still have to set the stage for everybody?
2: So one of the big epiphanies and something that I want to share with your audience so that you can take away something you can put to use, when I was young and arrogant and knew everything, I would leave meetings with, why don't they get it? Like, why can't they see it? You know, it's changing. You know, you got to change or you're going to go out of business. You've been disrupted. And what I learned over time is it's not the other person's job to get it. It's Mm. your job to communicate the future in a way that people living in the past can comprehend. And unless you can communicate that change and how it impacts, you won't be effective. And so... That took me years to learn and now, you know, there's a certain advantage of of the seat I sit in and, and, and the history that I've had that my ideas may fall on more favorable ears, but in these same giant corporations, there are young workers in their 20s that know how they should change and they need to speak up and their managers need to listen and understand that the world is fundamentally shifting and, you know, disruption's inevitable. How you respond to disruption is what separates the winners from the losers.
1: And is that um, p- what you talked about in Disrupt You? You know, was that yeah. what, what one of the things that drove you to write it was to sort of help people think about it differently?
2: So I wanted to pay it forward. I've been lucky. And if you would have told me growing up in a row home in Philadelphia that dozens of my friends would become self-made billionaires, I would have asked, you know, what are you smoking? I mean, that's, I didn't even know what a rich person was. And it wasn't that any of the people that are now household names in tech are smarter than the average bear or went to the right schools or had access to capital. It's that they saw the world differently. So the only two things that you need are insight, and the book teaches how to do that, and perseverance, which you either have or you don't. And so the biggest challenge isn't about changing the world. It's about changing yourself. Everybody thinks of changing the world, but nobody thinks of changing themselves and how they see themselves and how they put artificial limitations of what they can't do. So that's that's the exciting part. And, you know, now that the book's in eight languages and I hear from people all over the world, the cultural differences of cultures that are risk averse, cultures that don't have icons of, of Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs to look up to, to really show that. This can happen anywhere, and it is starting to take off everywhere. So
1: um, you, you've been traveling the world, right, with the book and, and talking to companies and schools and just all sorts of different demographics?
2: Yeah, so uh, 20-some countries have visited uh, on speaking tour, and and now there's a high school curriculum coming out based on the book to teach uh, uh, That's so how cool. to be entrepreneurs. The, the model of graduate college, go into debt until the day you die, doesn't work for most people. Now, I, I also teach entrepreneurship at, at, at USC. I'm not against college, but it's not the perfect model for everybody. Yet, if you look at 2008 to the present, the majority of all jobs that were created were created by small business, by entrepreneurs doing something. And it's not just about tech. I talk about how to think about The number one most failed business, a restaurant, differently. Most people say, Boy, I've got this great chicken recipe. I'm going to open a chicken restaurant. Having a good recipe has nothing to do with a restaurant. So I tell the story about a guy who looked at why do restaurants fail? Number one, too many items on the menu. If you don't order the fish, there goes your profits. So he said, I'm going to open a restaurant with only three items. Number two, everybody seems to want to eat at the same time lunch and dinner. So if you sit two people at a table for four, you can't monetize those two chairs. So he says, I'm going to seat people with strangers. Huh. And you don't get to sit down until there's a table that they can fill up. So that runs up the bar tab. Now, this sounds like the most insane thing. Now you say, what type of food experience could get people to put up with those first two things? And you've known it successfully for 40 years as Hannes. Huh. Interesting. I want a tapioca, you know, restaurant. It's how do I solve for why restaurants fail?
1: Right, right, right. And it's about so creating an
2: experience, right? Every aspect of business can be broken down and disrupted along the value chain from research and development to marketing to manufacturing to distribution to advertising. And I, and I go through countless examples, both from my life and from, from everyday companies that you know about. Until you start getting in this mindset to see the world differently, if you have problems in your life, congratulations, you're halfway there to be successful. Because all that an entrepreneur does is solve problems. Solve for five people, you make some friends, solve for a million, you know, you get to have a second home in Hawaii.
1: (laughs) Do you have a second home in Hawaii?
2: I don't have a second home in Hawaii.
1: (laughs) Well, we're going to take a break in a moment, but we've been talking about um, your book, Disrupt You, Master Personal Transformation, Seize Opportunity, and Thrive, in the era of endless innovation, which I know is on Amazon. Um, and you also have some uh, con- content on YouTube about it. Um, when we come back, we're going to get into how AR is going to transform how we work, shop, and play, and really dig into business solutions for AR. So we'll be back in a moment with the fabulous Jay Salmon, who is dropping insights as the independent vice chairman for Deloitte in a moment on the Tech Cat Show.
0: From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We've been talking to Jay Samet, who is the independent vice chairman for Deloitte, and he is focusing on all sorts of new technologies, specifically in the reality in the virtual augmented and reality space for corporations and um, Jay I know you have a lot of insights about how is AR really gonna transform how we live um, and I have one question for you before we do that but what is what is the difference between a regular vice chairman and an independent vice chairman
2: um, I get the luxury of sitting on external boards
1: oh so you can be outside of just uh, working outside of just like that's great alright so talk to us about about what's happening with AR
2: so let me give a concrete example, because everybody can visualize the, the first, you know, first and goal line that's, uh, that's you know, put on an AR in your, in your football game and adding, you know, Yelp reviews when you walk down the street or, you know, point me somewhere. But augmented reality can also subtract from the environment. So imagine, Lori that you're, that you're, Uh, rushing home after doing the show and you go into a supermarket. A supermarket has 40,000 products, 40,000 SKUs on the shelves, and your doctor just told you that your daughter shouldn't have anything with gluten. Now, you can either go and pick up 40,000 packages one at a time and spend the rest of your life in that supermarket figuring out or holding up your tablet or wearing uh, low-cost AR glasses, say, gluten-free, And everything that isn't gluten-free will disappear off the shelves as if it wasn't there. Or halal or kosher or whatever it is you want. That's the power that we're now talking about is we've gotten used to that we can get any piece of information by searching. But now the information and the world will conspire to bring it to you when you need it. Hmm. So it's a new way for businesses to connect. It's a new way for people to live, to, to play. I mean... The idea that you'll be able to walk into any restaurant anywhere in the world and read the menu in any language and talk to the waiter in any language is now doable. But taking it the next step of what does the software know about you at that moment? Why are you there? You haven't eaten for four hours. You usually eat this time of day. You usually like the salad place. You're in a strange city. You're walking down. It'll now show you, hey, around the corner is this great salad place. Life oh, so you easier. think
1: it's gonna ma- it's gonna rec- recommend to you from a nutritional perspective what you know? It's gonna make some AI decisions for you, basically. Well,
2: now you have the million dollar question: if our world is going to be augmented, another way of saying that is filtered. So, who's making those choices? So, it's, it'll most likely be brands that you trust to change your reality. If we learned one thing from this last election, is that if you get a whole bunch of anonymous information, you don't know what's real and what's not. So you're not going to have every pop-up possibility of everything unless you're a 10-year-old kid and you enjoy it because the world will look like Times Square on acid. But if you have a trusted brand that you know would give you good food recommendations or would tell you an unbiased of what type of place, or it can be crowdsourced by your peer group and your social norm. So 90% of my friends ate at the salad place and liked it. You know, so all that information, and it's now going to be on the brands and the companies to not just do analytics of their sales in the past tenses, what's our next season's marketing plan, what's our next year. You're going to have to be able to create algorithms to do this in real time and anticipate needs. If you're now going to spend the same amount of time in traffic that you did before, but you're no longer looking out the windshield because it's an autonomous vehicle, how are you going to fill that time? what information are you going to want to know about the town up up ahead or where you're going
1: so how how then do you stop the world from becoming kind of what happened during the election which is you know i was getting feeds and information about things that i already had believed in opted into and basically wanted to stay reading just like at night i watch msn and cnn and occasionally I'll pop over to Fox just to internally mock it, say, because thats I know that that's not my truth. So how do we stop our world then from becoming so filtered that, to your point, we only see that
2: stuff? So it's the filters that you choose to add. Now, we already live in a filtered world, even in the physical world. We're exposed to just the things in our neighborhood, just the things we pass. There's many things that we're not exposed to. So now you can open your universe and especially when you talk about glasses that are both ar and vr you can instantly you know be anywhere you know i'd I'd pay a lot more attention to you know mars as a kid if i could have walked around mars so all that information exists all that is you know out there but most people don't know how to get it so with the Internet of Things, putting sensors on all various things with bots now in our homes that are both watching what we do, learning what we do, and learning how to assist us. A lot of this, you know, it's, it's not that, that the, the evil of someone, you know, twisting a story. It's really, you know, most of us, let's take care of medical. So your wearables can now know your blood pressure all day long, your heart rate, you know, diabetes, all that type of stuff. But your doctor doesn't know that. He's not watching it all day long. You can now have algorithms. Most people go to the doctor after they have the heart attack. What would you do if your, you know, Siri said to you, you will have a heart attack in the next three days? You should have these things on you. I think you'd take it pretty seriously. Yeah, you would, for sure. The cost of access to that health care for everyone is a fraction of what it costs today when very few. Have access to excellent healthcare. So these tools can lift people out of poverty. These people, and,
1: and, yeah, if people can activate them. So is it is it what you're doing now is helping large corporate clients provide those types of solutions? You're you're sort of leading them to how they can extend their brand in that direction.
2: In, in many things. So I'll give you an example of using bots that on a topic that is nearly and dear to your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, Gender equality in the workplace. Right. What does any of this have to do with gender equality? And I'll give you the perfect example. I have a client that hires over 10,000 new people each year. They're in the hospitality business. Okay? Because they hire so many people and they get so many more resumes, most people don't get an interview. You sort through, you use keywords, you find the, the resumes, and you, know, you go from there. And then they're interviewed by a human. I have yet to meet a human, whether we admit it or not, that does not have some biases. OK, it's the right. nature of living in life, which means that there could be gender, accent, nationality, height, weight, whatever. This particular client is we're now building a system that what if you had no one interviewed by a human? And there's been studies that humans are horrible at interviewing anyway. We tend to hire people that we like and there's no long term knowledge of knowing which questions in that interview got us a candidate that stayed the longest or you know, did the best within our corporate culture. Well, now if every one of those 10,000 people could be interviewed by a bot and the questions could be tracked over time and it turns out asking what college you went to isn't as important as how many years have you had your dog? And so you can now zero in on what are the questions that get the employees that stayed with you the longest, that fit the culture, that were the most productive, that were the high earners and you're not limiting it because
1: of some bias. Wait, now what, um, I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but why does how long I've had a dog impact my capabilities in the workplace?
2: I was just making that up as an example. Okay. Um, I thought that
1: was one of your serious insights. And then I was thinking, is it because I can keep it alive?
2: (laughs) (laughs) How many people have you murdered this week yet? Yeah, Um, exactly. (laughs) No, but the whole... The whole point is, we don't know what are the effective questions in most times, and, and, and it hasn't been tracked, and no one's had a rational process, just as we've never had a, a rational monetary system. you know There's so many great technologies that are, that are advancing and making things ubiquitous and things easy. You know, extending our lives, uh, giving people access to credit in the in the third world that never did before. You know, things that blockchain can do. I'll, I'll give you another one that I was talking about in a meeting this morning: opioid crisis, huge, huge issue. So brick and mortar will be having a renaissance. If you have a a brick and mortar chain, AR really changes everything because now you can have virtual inventory. You can have every sofa in every pattern at scale that a person can see and walk around and get a sense of. You can have, you know, cool, you know, action figures flying around. You can have, you know, anything. Because what what's going to happen is connectivity, 5G, will hit at retail first. Or retail can use what's called li fi light um, uh, connectivity, 100 times faster than Wi-Fi. And now you can have this wonderful experience to want to go to a store and experience what it would be like being in your tent out in the woods or wherever it is. So uh, very excited about that.
1: All right, we're going to take a real break now, and then we're going to come back and catch up with everything. So we'll be back in a moment with Jay Samet. And don't worry, we're going to get all the good stuff from his brain. Jay Samet, who is independent vice chairman for Deloitte, focusing on providing virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality solutions for large corporate clients. We'll be back in a moment on the Tech catchup. Show.
0: From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. no registration is required listen to your favorite voice america hosts and discover new ones download the voice america mobile app for iphone android or blackberry powered by aircast visit the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market
2: the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network
0: Alrighty,
1: and we were talking to Jay Salmon, Independent Vice Chair for Deloitte, and we were talking about business solutions in AR and how it's transforming all of these different sectors. And I think you mentioned right before we jumped off how it's really transforming training. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Sure. So if you think about it, training hasn't really changed since the Middle Ages. You know, you have an apprentice. Somebody learns from somebody else. Maybe you give them some materials. And there's two fundamental flaws of how we train. One is... Whatever materials you have, by the second you create them, they're already out of date. And second, no one has 100% comprehension. So now, instead of learning through a manual how to repair a car, when your glasses look at the car, it can see and identify problems. It can walk you through what steps to do. It can learn from those uh, mistakes. And so if you take electrical line workers right now, about half of the people keeping the electric grid going in the U S will retire during this next decade. And be a shortage of linemen. Um, Now you can have people that are no longer climbing the poles, sitting and seeing what the person climbing the pole sees and and can work with them. So whether it's a cable company or telco company that sends a van out in the field, no van has the knowledge of every problem that they, they come across But they can be connected with somebody that can see what they see and talk to them and save rolling a second truck and save the billions of dollars of wasted time and downtime of outages. So this works for fast food. This works for hospitality. This works for any form of training.
1: Do you, do you think, um, so are most businesses now then looking at AR and, and is it going to be dependent on these glasses or will it be phone solutions or how is this really rolling out? Are, are businesses pushing it? Like so, why is this all happening now?
2: So Pokemon Go showed us that you don't have to wait for glasses. 750 million people found an enjoyable experience. So you can take your phone and your tablet and have a great AR tour of the college campus that, that your child wants to go to and instantly learn about everything, find your way around, you know, uh, your first day on the job to figure out where supplies are, where's HR, where do I, you know, find the restroom. Uh, but once you start getting to low-cost glasses, and there's glasses, I'll be showing some glasses at South by Southwest that are as light, and if I put them next to a regular pair of glasses, you wouldn't be sure which were the AR glasses. So you're going to see that, and one stat that I love love sharing is Last year in 2017, Americans bought 80 million pairs of glasses for over $100 that only came with one app, Focus. Huh. So if you start thinking about, well, I want glasses to translate. I want glasses that, you know, it's the same as a smartphone was 10 years ago. It only took one app to get you to say, I really need a smartphone. Now you can't live without it. You're going to a world where that phone will stay in your pocket and the world will now bring information to you. And at a at a very low cost, because you're going to be you're
1: going to be so you're going to be wearing contact lenses or glasses or something, that will bring. Yeah, in one all of our clients
2: I, I met with their head uh, scientist that's doing the contact lenses. That's where it gets witchcraft to me. I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, and the glasses that that uh, that some of the companies are coming out with actually beam the image to the back of your eyeball, so you don't have to worry about people's prescriptions. We all have perfect vision at the back of our eyeball. Um, so it's phenomenal. And when you beam it into an eyeball that way, you can't tell it and your brain can't tell it any different from a physical object. So it is, it has, it's opaque. So people walk behind it and, you know, it's really there in, in fixed in space. So our, our world's going to be wonderful. You know, uh, imagine how, you know, magical, you know, a theme park can really be when, Full-scale dinosaurs walk among you, and and characters fly above you.
1: I was just thinking that the world will be a theme park, and you won't need to go to them. You know what I mean? Because yeah. so many people, and you'll when have I talk about
2: so yeah. downtime can suddenly be monetized or made enjoyable, depending whether you're the consumer or the business person. When you're waiting for the game to begin, when you're at a music festival and you're walking around the grounds, there could be any type of store. There could be, you know, 900 cars in every wacky color. There could be things floating above. You could have, you know, a 4th of July parade, not on Main Street, but floating above a city. Hmm. When I was a, a boy, I used to get really excited when the, when the planes would blow the puff of smokes and spell out a word up in the sky you can make that happen every day in all kinds of color, you know, surrender Dorothy.
1: (laughs) Well, what, what, um, what business category do you think is spending the most in this space or jumping on the quickest, or is it really not something you can categorize like that?
2: Excellent question. So today when, in the VR space, if we talk about VR, where it's more costly and you need a really high-end computer and high-end glasses, it has to be industries where you're solving a problem that justifies that. So we're working with a client that the doctors are now doing brain surgery, wearing VR on actual patients. So instead of seeing a 2D CAT scan of a tumor, you can actually rotate the brain and the tumor and see exactly that person's situation while they're cut open right in front of you. Uh, So medical, huge uses. Um, In the AR space, you're seeing any place where the skills need to be upgraded for a workforce. They all have tablets and smartphones, so they can now see this safety. Imagine firefighters going to smoke-filled room, but the walls can be made in AR, so you know where they are, where the plumbing is inside the wall. You can see through a street where the cables are before you dig. So it's, it's really giving people super, you know, Superman-like skills. Um, and that's where it's taking off.
1: God, I, lo- I love that idea. I, I mean, I do worry, you know, this is this is what people say when I talk about this stuff, you know, as the, like, uh, technology catalyst, is they push back on me, and they talk about how terrifying this all sounds, and, you know, that they won't know what's real, and that also they'd start bringing up, you know, privacy and security, which is always what everybody brings up when you, you talk about this stuff. How do you respond to, to that kind of pushback?
2: Well, I know... That- Uh, As a child, when I saw on Sunday night Walt Disney, Walt Disney was making robot pirates. My imagination went insane. Oh, my God. They're making robots that are pirates. And that's why I went into tech, okay? Um, So this will spark children's imaginations. This will show people what can be possible. I look at at the positive of what it can do. When I also now go out to a restaurant and I see a family sitting there and all four of them are looking at their own phones and no one's having a conversation, that isn't a failure of technology. That's a failure of someone saying, okay, this is dinner. We all put technology away. How was your day? So, you know, we have to take responsibility for how we use technology, but I see the benefits far outweighing any of the risks. We, we for 14,000 years, decided to give up our independence and privacy for the security of a village. And that's why huh. people started building cities. Yeah, and right, you right. don't have the same freedom in a city. You can't run around naked and do whatever you want. But you didn't get, you know, attacked by the saber-toothed tiger. It's the same thing nowadays. You really have to say, am I willing to trade some things? And it's not just being marketed to it's really about enhancing every day and every experience that you now have.
1: Uh, I and it, it does blow me away the 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 uh, picture that you're you know that you're uh, creating and especially if real businesses, you know, are spending money on this, are are people then, you know, is this in a special budget called, you know, immersive, you know, experiences or is it just being wrapped into the, the categories that it's actually solving for. Like, are people yeah, in so, business thinking about it so, separately?
2: Yeah. It, my, my opinion is it should cut across like electricity. Mm, does your department use electricity? Does <laughs> your department use electricity? It, it's just a, a tool that's part of life. Now, if you remember, there were only certain people that got PCs at one point, or, you know, you know you're in charge of our, our web store. You have nothing to do with what we're buying for our real stores, you know. That era is gone, you now see that what you really want to do is you have all this data that you could apply to help customers. Like, I never understood in the 21st century if you went to refinance your house. You have to fill out endless forms. All that information is already out there. I would gladly click and tell the bank, I give you permission to look up all this stuff. And, and by the way, I want 20 banks to look it up and the best person comes back and tells me. So data analytics, predictive, big data, all these things can now conspire to help. And really, all the businesses try to do is solve problems for people. But Mm. the opportunity here is the businesses are looking at the big, giant things that move, like who's going to make the winning glasses. But you may think of, of a niche that no one else has thought of, and that's the exciting thing. Think of all the giant New companies that came out of just being apps, Waze or Yelp or whoever. How can you now build a new business to solve a new problem because you now have ubiquitous connectivity?
1: Hmm. That's a big uh, a big thought, and it's interesting that as much as I categorize the show that we're going to talk about AR, or we're going to talk about VR or AI or whatever it is, inevitably the discussions always end up wrapping around how these things are all colliding together.
2: Well, and that's, that's the other thing, is what's driving AR all of a sudden is that all the exponential technologies are hitting once. So ubiquitous connectivity wouldn't work without 5G. 5G allows a lot more data to get out there. 5G is kind of worthless unless you have edge computing that can do a lot of processing so you don't have to have a backpack with a supercomputer and giant batteries. Edge computing only works if you have information and data in the cloud. The data is only as good as as fresh as it is like cheese, which means you have to collect data from every box, every package, every shelf, and every store. So putting trillions of sensors out, which is the IoT, and you now take machine learning and AI and you tie that with a nice ribbon, and I get to live in paradise.
1: (laughs) I love the way that you uh, you wrap that all together. We're going to take one last break. When we come back, I want to hear a little bit about where you're talking next because I know you're still doing um, a lot of speaking. And I think you said, and I don't know if you're allowed to talk about it yet, you're working on another book. Is that correct? Yep. So we'd love to we'll hear a little We'll talk about it after the break. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that, where you're speaking and how we can um, keep up with you. And then what should someone do to prepare You know, for this uh, this new world. I mean, should they should we all just be downloading different AR apps, or you know, or just reading a lot of articles, or how do we, you know, um, get ready for the for the world that's coming? Um, Anyway, we'll
2: disrupt you and live happily ever after.
1: (laughs) And have Jay come and work with you. All right, we're going to be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. More with Jay Samet, blowing our mind.
0: Voice America Business Network: The
2: bottom line in business.
0: The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Okay, we're rounding out our fabulous
1: conversation with Jay Samet, who's the independent vice chair for Deloitte, and uh, we've been getting the down low on the future of AR. Um, And Jay, you have some speaking opportunities coming up, and I know you're possibly going to be showing some new tech. Is that true?
2: Yeah, so really excited in a little, about 10 days, is South by Southwest. I'll be giving a keynote, augmented reality, job killer, or economic savior. And I'll tip off your audience. I think it's the latter. Uh, But I'll be showing two (laughs) cool pieces of technology that no one has seen yet. Uh, One is um glasses that beam stuff in in as I was talking about that is just mind blowing and the other is haptics the a, a glove that you can wear in v r and literally feel the fur of a cat, feel the warmth of a coffee or of a of a jet engine, feel a spider walk across uh, absolutely amazing and it really opens up other things that you can do uh, in 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 april there 's the fund expo, which is where people go to raise money, and, and start these businesses. In May, I'll be speak, keynoting at Augmented World Expo up in San Jose. Great show to see all the latest uh, gadgets and, and apps and tools so that you can start an AR company yourself. So huh. uh, a, lot of, a lot of fun stuff out there. And if you don't want to do there, I usually post the speeches afterwards on YouTube or at jsamet.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram. Easy to find.
1: Do you think, um, that, that, uh, the current generation will easily adopt to all of this more than say, you know, your generation or my, you know, Gen X, Boomer, any of those, or is this going to be something that doesn't really have that adoption curve from a demographic perspective?
2: It all comes down to what is the user interface. And that's the wide open question. Uh, when, Bill Gates was coming out with Windows, and he wanted someone to manufacture a mouse. Everyone turned him down because nobody could understand what he was talking about. People are not going to move a brick around their desk. You know, it turns out that was pretty easy and intuitive to learn how to do. The idea that something talks to you has made smart speakers and smart personal assistants pretty easy. So I think the learning curve is going to be de minimis Uh, when we start getting into... What age groups it really is? What problems this is solving? So, for example, uh, in, in uh, disrupt you uh, somebody that read the book invented uh, putting a, a little watch on the top of a pill bottle, so that if you got a phone call and you go, Do did I take my pills?" It said, "Oh, yeah, last opened this four hours ago, or you opened it three minutes ago." Well, that's great for many people, but then you take it with Bluetooth, so I can know whether Grandma took her medicine or not and then call her so the great thing about these technologies is that you can use them to cross time and distance so to bring families closer together to solve other other personal needs
1: do you think a movie like ready player one is going to help make this you know everyday conversation as opposed to um you know, just hearing about it in, the, in sort of more on the news side of things.
2: Well, everybody understands things from Star Trek before they came to be, you know, the, the tricorder, which is, you know, the Fitbit, uh, you know, with Dick Tracy phone. So absolutely that that helps. You know, Lawnmower Man started people thinking about a, a VR world. Ready Player One, great, great book. And, and we're all excited to see the movie.
1: Yeah, I got to see a, the the trailer of it, and um, it's just one of those things where, you know, you start to think, well, will I ever care about my physical self again? Because I can go into these virtual environments and be whoever I wanted to, which is, you know, what Second Life was supposed to be, right? But it well, seems like. Well, when
2: was the last we- time you saw somebody who looked like their Instagram pictures?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mine do, but I know what you mean. I do. I do know what you mean. Yeah. You know, from the Cardassian side of the world, you're absolutely right. Um, you're right. You're right. So it's not yeah. like it's that different from our current culture.
2: And you get back to reality, that fear of missing out is because everybody's life looks better than yours on social media. You know, it causes depression and everything else. So as it becomes more of a level playing field, that that tends to go away. Right,
1: right, 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 right. And so it becomes more more normal, more more every day. Right. Um, and uh, uh, and for you, I know you do a lot of writing. Do you think um, in terms of the role that you're playing in the world now that publishing is really one of the most important things you can do? If, if people wanted to become a futurist or a thought leader, the best way to do it is just to keep writing and publishing?
2: Well, for me, it's about trying to pay back, you know, and pay it forward. I've had such a blessed life, and, and I get access to knowledge and people that others don't. So if I can share that, my job really is to bring the future forward. So I'm not here, you know, inventing flying cars. I'm saying, here's somebody that invented this great thing. If only medical people or the head of this company or that company knew about it, they'd be using it. So that's why I write. And, you know, I really, you know give me two seconds for Soapbox, I wrote Disrupt You because the only way you have democracy is with a strong middle class and our middle class has been evaporating and the only way you have a middle class is by having entrepreneurs creating jobs and yet we don't teach this. We don't teach it in college, we don't teach it in high school so that's what this was about to teach people how they can build businesses, how they can build a, a billion dollar unicorn. It's not that hard, it's not alien, anybody can learn how to do it and I love that I've been able to have some impact with the time I have left on this planet to to make more entrepreneurs.
1: What do you know how much time you have left? Is that why you said it like that? <laughs> I,
2: I, if you live every day like it's your last, you, you put the most into it that you can.
1: No, I, l- I like that too. I know, can you give us a little hint about what your next book is about?
2: Sure. So I get a lot of emails and they make my day of people saying it changed my life, da, da, da. But the other theme that I get is love the book, but I couldn't do this. This couldn't be me. So I said, okay, I'll put my reputation on the line and I'll do my own version of Pygmalion. I found somebody, a millennial that was couch surfing, high school dropout, never made, you know, more than 30 K or something. And I said, I will mentor you. I won't open up my, any doors, but just mentor you and take you from zero to self-made millionaire in 12 months. And it shows you the steps and the tools and we're, Halfway through the year, first month out, he did 70k, and he was on fire. After that, that was his worst worst month. And, oh my God! Uh, three months in, he started making over 100 thousand a month, and again, this is all him. Uh, and but following I'm following learning,
1: your following your principles,
2: and I'm learning from him what you forget at a certain stage of which order you had to learn certain things and how to how to translate knowledge in a way that it's it's pragmatic. And, you know, we had some interesting debates on, on, on branding and, and, you know, and, and things and, and uh, it's, it's an exciting journey. And I think people will, will get a lot out of it.
1: Oh, that's really exciting. Do you have a name for it yet?
2: No, not that I'm sharing. Okay.
1: Okay, all right. Tell us one more time where we can find you and get the book and all the different things, so people can track you.
2: Sure. So j samit s a m i t dot com. Uh, same name on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. Uh, Amazon has the book. Audible has the audio. If you've never gotten an audio book, go to audible dot com and get my book. Your first one's free, so uh, no excuse. And you get to hear this this. Magnificent voice for nine hours. Um, I narrated it. Uh, <laughs> That's
0: great. Um,
2: uh, but the book's also in you know Vietnamese and Korean and and, and and a whole bunch of other languages. Comes out in June in Portuguese and in Korean. Um, so so a lot of fun. It's 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 been a humbling journey, but so wonderful when you get you know in business you tend to get emails of problems and the more successful you get, the bigger problem emails you get. When you're an author, you get literally love letters of, I got this nugget out of the book that changed my business or changed my life or, you know, I couldn't support my wife and kids and, and now we're thriving. And that just that just makes me work harder.
1: Oh, I love that. Well, we've been talking to Jay Samet, who's the independent vice chairman at Deloitte Focused on and pioneering solutions for businesses around AR, VR, and mixed reality. And also author of Disrupt You, helping people operationalize disruption and how they move forward in this exciting time. So we thank you so much, Jay, for for coming on the show and dropping insights and sort of making it sound really, really um, simple and approachable.
2: And and Um, for anybody that made it so this far into the show... I got a free 40 page workbook for you. Just go to com, click on the link, and uh, you can get started changing your life today.
1: Oh, I love that. Well, thank you. And everybody, we'll be back next week um, talking with more folks about augmented reality and finishing up our month long deep dive into AR. And thank you so much, Jay. And I hope everybody um, checks out Disrupt You. We'll
2: All be thank back you. next Have week. Have a good one.
0: Thank you.